This is Law for Community Workers On The Go, a podcast for community and health workers. The information we're going to be talking about today is RoboDebt. We're obviously recording this in New South Wales. However, the information that we will be discussing is relevant to the whole of Australia. And we just wanted to thank Victoria Legal Aid for all of their hard work in getting this up and running. So thank you. Also, before we begin, I just want to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land, and we acknowledge that this is Aboriginal land, always was, always will be, and we acknowledge the traditional custodians of these lands and pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that to any Indigenous people who may be listening today. My name is Jessica Sullivan, and today I will be joined by Nicola Cannon. Hi, Nicola. Did you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you. Um, So my name's Nicola Cannon and I'm a lawyer in the government law team at Legal Aid. Um, One of the areas of law that the government law team really specialises in is social security law. Um, And I think that's what we're here to talk about today. Yes, we're talking about robo-debt. So what is robo-debt? Let's start there. Okay, so in July 2016, um, Centrelink introduced an automated debt recovery scheme where they started using data matching from the Australian Tax Office to raise debts against Centrelink recipients. RoboDebt is Centrelink matching the income that you've told them that you earned with the income that you've told the ATO that you've earned. And if there's a gap between those two things, they divide the total figure that you've told the ATO for the year by 26 Centrelink fortnights in the year, and they assume that that money is what you were earning each fortnight. Then they use that to look at what Centrelink payments you got in each of those fortnights and decide whether you got potentially more than you should have been entitled to, and they will raise a debt. The data matching with the ATO in itself is not new. That's something that Centrelink has been doing for a long time. But what was new um, was the extent to which that process was automated, and hence the name RoboDebt. One of the most controversial controversial aspects of the scheme was the use of income averaging to decide whether or not a person had a Centrelink debt. The difficulty with that, of course, is the idea of averaging um, presupposes that a person always earns consistent income each fortnight. Um, But what we know with um, lots of the people that we've seen affected by robo-debt is that casual workers, students, seasonal workers are not always earning consistently fortnight to fortnight. Their income goes up and down and so then does their entitlement to Centrelink in certain fortnights. We're finding that the the debt number is not always correct because the debt is not based on a person's actual income. For some people, when that averaging process is applied, it means that it looks like they owe more money to Centrelink than they do. Um, And that can particularly be the case if we're thinking about maybe if you take the case of university students who might not work consistently across the 12 months of a year, but maybe during uni break, they're working a lot of hours, maybe they get a job as a Christmas casual or something like that, you know, there will be fortnights for them where they're working so much that they're not entitled to any Centrelink payments at all, but there will also be fortnights for them where they're barely earning anything and they should be getting almost the full rate of payment. And so what we're finding is by dividing the money out across the course of the entire year, it's sometimes not actually giving a fair representation of what the person was entitled to. Okay, do you want to tell us about the RoboDebt test case? Sure. Um, So our wonderful colleagues down at Legal Aid in Victoria have recently ran a fantastic test case in the federal court about a RoboDebt matter. The case was for a young woman whose name was Diana Amato. 
um, and she was a victim of robo-debt. Diana's situation is that at the moment she's a 33-year-old young woman who works in local government, but before she entered the full-time workforce, um, she received Centrelink payments while she was studying, and Centrelink um, recently looked at her payments and decided that she hadn't properly reported her income back in April to June 2012. So we're talking about quite a few years ago. Um, so Centrelink sent a, sent a letter to Diana about this, but the letter went to an old address. Of course, she had no reason to update Centrelink as to her new address because it had been quite a few years since she was receiving Centrelink payments. So when Diana didn't respond to the letter, Centrelink raised a debt against her based on that income averaging model that they had used. And so they raised a debt of $2,754. And that debt also included a 10% penalty fee that Centrelink had put on top because she hadn't responded to the letter. Now, poor Diana only actually found out that she had a robo-debt in January this year when the entirety of her tax return was taken by Centrelink. So Centrelink automatically took about $1,700 out of her tax return, and that was the first time that she knew she owed any money to Centrelink. And she's relying on that money like throughout the year, knowing she's going to get a tax return. As, as Yeah, as we all do, and we know that money is coming through a tax return. Of course, it's a significant sum of money. So what actually happened in Diana's case is after Victorian Legal Aid helped her to file her case in the federal court, Centrelink used powers that it has under the Social Security Act to actually contact Diana's former employers and her bank and verify her earnings during that period, which is powers that Centrelink have always had available to them, but they haven't been using for robo-debts. And what they actually found out when they went through that recalculation process is that the total amount of money that Diana was actually overpaid by Centrelink was $1.48. Right, so that's very different to the $1,700. Very taken. different, or the $2,700 um, the initial, at yeah. the start. So... So, um, yes, so what's happened? <laughs> I mean, the debt's been waived. There is no debt that she owes. But the, the court case continued. Um, and the court case continued because it's a test case about whether raising a debt against a person based on um, an average of their income over a certain period was actually a lawful way of calculating the debt. So the case really focused on those three things that we've said are the controversial aspects of the robo-debt scheme. So the first is income averaging. The second thing was the reverse onus of proof. So asking the person to disprove that they owe a debt rather than Centrelink maybe using powers it has to go and get that information on from people's employers and banks. And also the addition of that 10% penalty fee that we mentioned happened in Diana's case. So it was really about testing those three things um, and whether they are actually lawful. Has there been a decision, firstly? So yes, there has been a decision. Legal Aid filed its legal submissions in the case about why these, these things were unlawful. The Australian government agreed that they were and some consent orders were reached between the two parties. Those consent orders found that raising a debt solely on the basis of income averaging is unlawful and that calculating a debt in that way didn't give a proper basis for Centrelink to garnish Diana's tax return and it also didn't give a proper basis for them to determine that a 10% penalty fee should be added to the debt that she owed. So the case was successful and the court also ordered that Diana should be paid $92 of interest, um, which is money that she would have earned on that amount that had been garnished by the tax office and also the payment of her legal fees. Very good news. So she, did she even have to pay that $1? She did not have to pay the $1.48 as far as I know. <laughs> Wonderful.
stressful. So how is that decision going to impact other people out there now who have a robo-debt? About a week before the court issued its decision in this case, the federal government announced that it was going to make some significant changes to robo-debt. The most important of those is that the federal government has said it's no longer going to issue debts that have been raised solely on the basis of income averaging and also that any debts that have been calculated on that basis so far are going to be re-looked at. So people can expect a review of their debts. So if a worker out there and they have clients who have robo-debt, what are the options that are available? So the first thing is if you've got a client that you're working with and they have a debt to Centrelink but they actually don't know if that debt is a robo-debt, then we would recommend that they contact Centrelink's compliance division. The phone number for that section is one 086 and actually ask for that information to be provided in writing. So ask how much the debt is and also the basis on which it was calculated. If your client does request information through this process and they don't get that information back from Centrelink in writing in a reasonable time, then what we're suggesting to people is that they should think about asking Centrelink to formally conduct a review of that debt um, and to ask that the debt be reviewed by an authorised review officer. This is Centrelink's internal review process. Um, and clients can actually ask for that in really any way. They can um, they can call Centrelink and ask for review by an authorised review officer. They can ask face-to-face if they go into their local Centrelink office, or they can even put their request in writing. What about if someone is already paying off a robo-debt? We're recommending that they contact Centrelink's repayment division and ask that Centrelink actually cancel their repayment plan and that they ask that section for a refund of any amounts that they've already repaid towards the debt. The phone number for Centrelink's repayments division is 1800 076 072. And is that the same as if someone has already paid off the entirety of a robo-debt? Not quite. Um, (laughs) So it's a bit complicated, all the different sections that we have within Centrelink, but if you've got a client you're working with who's previously paid off all of a robo-debt, again, we're recommending that they go actually to the compliance section within Centrelink. And what about if somebody has received a letter saying that they have a robo-debt, but they haven't done anything yet? We would recommend contact with Centrelink's compliance division in that scenario as well. Um, And we would recommend that they just ask that Centrelink not take any steps to actually recover the debt until Centrelink has gone through the process that the federal government has announced of actually recalculating the debts with reference to actual income. You know, there's a lot of different variants and all the situations are going to be different. Essentially, is the message to call this compliance number? if you're just not sure what your situation is. Yeah, I think that's very sensible advice. I think that's definitely the starting point. We have also heard that there is a class action being run in Victoria. So how does that fit into all of this? So um, anyone who's been following any of the robo-debt media would have seen that there was a class action um, announced in Victoria fairly recently. The law firm who's running that class action is called Gordon Legal and they have indicated that even after the federal government has announced changes to the scheme and even after the outcome of this test case that the class action will still run. So at the moment, they are inviting anyone who might be affected, and that is really anyone who has received a robo-debt. They can contact Gordon Legal and register their interest to be 
involved in the class action and there's actually a, a sort of online form on Gordon Legal's website that clients can pop their details into. So if you're working with someone who has been affected by robo-debt, that's certainly something that you could consider as well. Even though the class action is being run out of Victoria, this is we're talking about national legislation. So the test case has impact across the country and likewise the class action um, is taking interest from people all across the country. And how can legal aid help? Are we providing any assistance? We certainly are. So we're definitely providing advice to clients who've been affected and we would certainly encourage clients to come and contact us for advice. The best way really is just to make contact with your local legal aid office and they can arrange an advice appointment for you. I would probably recommend that if you're working with a client who does need some advice, the starting point would probably be to help them contact Centrelink's Compliance Division to get a little bit more clarity about their exact scenario. Um, And if that doesn't resolve the issue for them, yes, yes, then we would recommend that they contact Legal Aid and book in for an advice appointment. It's also useful to remember that clients you're working with who do have a Centrelink debt, that they can seek review of that debt at any time by um, asking for it to be reviewed internally by a Centrelink authorised review officer. Even if it is the case that the recalculation shows that they do still owe a debt, that it's still possible for a Centrelink debt to be waived on the basis of special circumstances. So if you can show that it didn't come about because of anything that you had sort of done intentionally and there are special circumstances in your case, then it still can be possible for a Centrelink debt to be waived. And those types of applications are certainly something that Legal Aid can provide advice about. So if someone has a robo-debt or is somewhere in the system connected to a robo-debt, is it affecting their payments that they still may be getting from Centrelink now? That's a really good question because it can be. So in the scenario that we talked about where um, you asked whether if a person is in the process of still paying off a robo-debt, what should we, what should they do? Um, it could be that they're paying off that robo-debt out of their Centrelink payments. So if they are a current Centrelink recipient, then Centrelink's automatic position with debts is that they will take 15% of a person's Centrelink payment each fortnight to repay that debt. So the amount of money that those people will be getting in their bank accounts on a fortnightly basis will be reduced to repay this debt. It's possible to sort of change that 15% if a client is in financial hardship. And so it may be that um, you're working with clients who are paying off some amount to Centrelink out of their payments every fortnight, but it might not be the actual 15%. Sometimes they might be on a payment plan that's $30 a fortnight, $50 a fortnight or something like that. The message now certainly is that the first point of call is to to call and ask that those repayments be stopped altogether. Um, But if it's a client who has a debt that's not a robo-debt, for example, um, then it's important to know that it's always possible to call Centrelink's repayments division and negotiate a different repayment plan so that less money is coming out of your client's Centrelink payment each fortnight. Okay, well, I think we have covered robo-debt and what to do if you have clients with robo-debt. So thank you very much, Nicola. Thank you for coming in and chatting. Thank you very much for having me. The links to everything that we've mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes below. So until next time, thank you so much from all of us here at the Community Legal Education Branch at Legal Aid New South Wales. Mm-hmm.